Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 102 of season 4 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Getting a start in entertainment in the 1920s, Monty Woolley was originally an assistant professor of English and a drama coach at Yale. After serving in World War I, he became a director of Broadway plays and then started acting there in 1936. In 1939, he started 783 performances of The Man Who Came to Dinner. In the 1940s, he signed with 20th Century Fox and appeared in many films through the 1950s. His most famous film role was in his reprisal of The Man Who Came to Dinner in 1942. During the same period, he was a frequent performer on various radio shows until winning the starring role in The Magnificent Montague, which ran from November of 1950 to September of 51. Woolley played a former Shakespearean actor whose fall into hard times has forced him to take a popular daily radio show role, which he despises. The sitcom focuses on his daily sparring with his wife, Lily, played by Aunt Seymour, and their smart-mouthed maid, Agnes, played by Pert Kelton. Probably most famous for his fictional feud with Jack Benny, Fred Allen's radio career spanned several decades, beginning in the 1930s following a successful vaudeville and Broadway career. It went through various name changes and sponsors and iterations over the years. The show that became Town Hall Tonight was the longest-running hour-long comedy show in classic radio history. Allen had a long history of bucking his sponsors and bosses, who wanted him to sign more famous guest stars and musicians on his show instead of the lesser-known ones that he preferred. He also wrote the scripts and routines and worked himself so hard on the show that he had to take a year off in the mid-40s due to poor health due to hypertension. Now sit back and enjoy the March 16, 1951 broadcast of The Magnificent Montague and the December 14, 1947 broadcast of The Fred Allen Show. After a glorious career on the Shakespearean stage, Edwin the Magnificent Montague, because of economic necessity, is doing what he hates most, radio. And thanks to radio, he is doing what he loves most, eating. It is morning in the Montague apartment. Lily, his wife, and Agnes, the maid, are up. Telephone. Got it, honey. The residence of Edwin Montague and Lily Boehm. Who? Oh, Mr. Jarvis. No, Montague ain't up yet. No, he ain't. I can tell when he gets up. The birds stop singing. <laughs> Children run home and hide under the bed. Oh, Agnes. What, Mr. Jarvis? Okay, I'll tell him. <laughs> oh, really, Agnes, the way you answer a phone. I'm really flying today, honey. I'm high as a flag on the 4th of July. Well, what are you so happy about? Why not? I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love with a wonderful guy. Agnes, when did this happen? Ten minutes ago in a butcher shop. <laughs> Agnes, it isn't Mr. Fleischer, our butcher. It ain't, huh? Go take a look at that steak in the icebox. That ain't the result of a casual acquaintance, you know. <laughs> oh, you and your romances. But at least we're having steak tonight. Excuse me, honey. Did you say we? But, Agnes... Nothing doing. I didn't get chased around that meat block to get steak for you. <laughs> oh, Agnes, if there is enough steak, get more. Get more. You go down to that butcher and play footsie with him so he'll sell you some meat. <laughs> play footsie? That wolf. That cutlet Casanova. The minute you walk into his butcher shop, he's rushing you into the icebox to see his etching. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Our butcher, Mr. Fleischer, always seemed to be such a quiet, bashful man. Honey, times have changed down at the butcher shop. In the old days, if you wanted to buy chicken, he'd let you pinch it first. Now, if you want to buy anything, you got to let him pinch you. <laughs> All right, Agnes. We'll settle that later. Uh, well, was that Jarvis, president of Edwin's proscenium club, who just called? Yeah, he said he's coming right over. He mentioned something about rehearsing with your husband. Yeah, that's right. The proscenium club is having its 100th anniversary. Edwin and Jarvis are doing the battle scene for Macbeth, just as they did it originally. A hundred years ago. 
Oh, Agnes, don't be ridiculous. Edwin isn't that old. Then how come his birth certificate's written on the back of one of George Washington's laundry bills? <laughs> oh, Agnes. You're still mad about the steak you need to be. Edwin isn't having any. He ain't? No. I'm putting him on a diet. All Edwin's having for breakfast is dry toast and black coffee. A diet? That glutton? Oh, brother, life around here is not going to be beautiful. Agnes, yesterday you tried to get into the tights he wore on the battle scene, 25 years ago. That's old Montague. Agnes, actually it's hardly noticeable. It's just around the waist. He has a, a spare tire. Mm. And it looks like it's off a greyhound bus. <laughs> He's going on a diet whether he likes it or not. For breakfast, he gets just 200 calories. 200 calories? Honey, I can get more food than that just running the vacuum cleaner through his beard. <laughs> well, I'm seeing to it. <laughs> there it is, the voice of America. <laughs> get his breakfast. <laughs> Good morning, Lamb. Good morning, Edward. Uh, where's Agnes? Or has that nearsighted uh, garbage collector hauled her away again? <laughs> Edwin, here she comes with your breakfast. Here's your breakfast. Stand back, folks. Here it comes. Oh, no. Now, Edwin. Lily, some gambler got to Agnes. She's being bribed to throw our meals. Edwin, I ordered this breakfast for you. You're on a diet. You're getting a tummy. A tummy? Well, all it needs is a little exercise. All that pot needs is a geranium. <laughs> all right, Agnes, roll over and play dead. Lily, I'm hungry. Edwin, I'm not going to have the proscenium club laughing at you when you do that scene from Macbeth and those tights. Yeah, you're supposed to look like Macbeth, not Mac Truck. <laughs> Agnes, dear, I wouldn't talk about looks if I were you. Uh, Edwin, leave Agnes alone. Just once can't she serve breakfast without those curlers sticking out of her hair? It's like eating in a radar station. <laughs> oh, Tubby, you're a scream. <laughs> Edward, eat your breakfast. Breakfast? This pathetic piece of burned bread? Well, this didn't pop out of any toaster. It crawled out and died in Agnes's arm. <laughs> well, then just drink the coffee. Here. Coffee? Coffee? <laughs> Thanks for telling me. I was about to fill my fountain pen with it. <laughs> oh, Edwin, eat. That's all you're going to get. Lily, I'm hungry. Well, the diet is for your own good. Now, just look at yourself in the mirror. That should kill his appetite. Edwin, eat your toast. Dry toast. At least put a little something on it. Like a pork chop. <laughs> Edwin. Lily, I'm weak. Just a few eggs, pancakes, sausages. No. Uh, bread and butter. No. Just the butter. <laughs> Edwin, you're acting like a baby. A little pablum. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're impossible. The subject is cold. Well, all right. All right. A little lumpy oatmeal? No. Just the lump? Edwin, I'm going to show you something that will convince you that you need to lose weight. I'll be right back. She's gone. Agnes, dear. Yes, lover. Agnes, haven't I always been good to you? Like he father was good to Costello. <laughs> Agnes, while Lily's gone, sneak into the kitchen. No. Shh. She'll hear you. Now, look, Agnes, I'm sure you can whip something up. You mean like fluffy waffles swimming in melted butter and syrup, a fat slice of ham, hash brown potatoes, scrambled eggs? With sausages? With sausages. Coffee with heavy cream and sugar. Oh, Agnes, how long will it take? You should live so long. <laughs> Agnes, you're a fiend. Burned the steak. A nice juicy steak with French fried oh, onions. Stop, you're a devil. Nice deviled ham on a thick slab. Oh, this is fun. Agnes, just a crust. A crumb. No crust crumb. <laughs> All right, Agnes. What are they doing to me? Here, Edward, if you think you haven't put on weight, look at this picture. Well, what is it? Oh. Yes, that's you in tights. Twenty years ago when you played Hamlet. Yes, I was a handsome brood. <laughs> Get that autograph on the picture To Edwin Montague with love Signed Edwin Montague <laughs> See how thin you were? His beard was just starting Look at his chin peeking out of the fuzz Quiet, Agnes Lily, you know something? I haven't changed much No, Edwin 
Now, hurry up. Jarvis will be here to rehearse the battle scene, and you have your Uncle Goodhart radio broadcast to do later. But, Lily, let's forget about this diet. I, I know. I, I know. I'll start exercising Edwin, again. you always say that, but you never do. So you're going on that diet, and you're going to stick to it until you look presentable and tight. Oh, there's Jarvis. Again, Lily, when it's time for me to leave for my broadcast, don't say anything in front of Jarvis. He's president of the Presidium Cup, you know, and you must know that I've deserted the stage for radio. Heaven forbid they should find out one of their members is making a living. Agnes, <laughs> get the door. And don't mention that Edwin is Uncle Goodhart. I wouldn't mention it if he was Uncle Fram. Answer the door. It's him. Montague. Montague. Hello, Jarvis. Good morrow, my Lord Macbeth. Let the trumpet blare. Let the welkin ring. Once more, my Lord Macbeth and I don the well-worn cap and buskin. Yea, let the glorious curtain rise. For once again, the sun shall shine on Dunsinane. He's trying to say he came to rehearse. <laughs> Hello, Jarvis. Well, Jarvis, after all these years, back on a stage again. Aye, all the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their rig. Uh, Jarvis, I haven't much time. Let's rehearse the play. The play, the play, the play's the thing wherein I'll catch... Jarvis, Jarvis, are we going to stand quoting or rehearse? Which is it going to be? I to be or not to be, that is the question. Jarvis, Jarvis, simmer down, relax. Oh, I'm sorry, Montague, but the thought of once again treading the board. I understand, Jarvis, those golden days on the stage, soldiers of the theater. Wonderful days, weren't they? You, Jarvis, Lily and myself, the three of us. I, when shall we three meet again in thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the hurly-burly's done. When the battle's lost and won. Oh, soldiers never die. Tired, <laughs> <laughs> Agnes. Yes, Jarvis, we'll make the Proscenium Club a ring. When we take our bow, they'll sit up and take notice. They certainly will when you're tight split. <laughs> All right, Agnes, back to the bread box with the rest of the crumbs. Come, Agnes, they're going to rehearse. Oh, let's get out of here, but fast. I'm sorry, Jarvis, but this will have to be a short rehearsal. I, well, I, I have something to do this afternoon. Montague, you're working? Not really. Well, let's rehearse. It's the battlefield scene. It's Act Five. I'm Macbeth, and you're Macduff. We'll draw our swords. You challenge me. Go ahead. I turn, hellhound, turn. Now get me back. Hey, my soul is too much tossed with blood of thine already. Hey, my voice is in my sword. Thou bloody villain and terms can give the eye. Accursed be that tongue that tells me. Hey, then yield thee, I will not yield. Shift the guard. Hold it, Jarvis. Lord Macbeth, what's the matter? Lord Macbeth is pooped. <laughs> Montague, you used to be able to do that scene. I know, so... I know. Uh, Jarvis. What is it, Montague? I'm out of condition. They tell me I, I look fat. Fat? Oh, who dares call my noble lord fat? I shall fire upon them and will challenge them. Oh, no, no, Jarvis. Tell me the truth. We'll be doing this in tights, and I don't want to look ridiculous. Thou, my lord, ridiculous? Thou, Montague, the noblest Roman of them all? In the words of Shakespeare... A man of classic countenance. A man of past. Well, those are the past I'm afraid of. <laughs> now, Jarvis, stop horsing around. Tell me, am I getting fat? Montague, tell me. Uh, you have spread a bit. Lily was right. I'll have to go on a diet. Let's try it again. I will not yield to kiss the ground. Hey, boys, let's break it up. Agnes, please get thee to a nunnery. Get thee to NBC. You, you mean it's kind. Remember, Uncle, you know what? Uh, uncle? Montague, what? Uh, what my you... uncle, he's in town. I'll call you this afternoon. We'll rehearse. Here's your hat. Goodbye. I, Montague, parting is such sweet soul. Yes, yes, I... yes, yes, yes. Here's the door. Goodbye. As Hamlet's father's ghost said, adieu, adieu, adieu. Remember me. Uh, I'll remember. I, I'm in a hurry. Please get out. Out. Outrepentant. Jarvis, my program. I, I, I mean, my uncle's waiting. Goodbye. So cracks a noble heart. Good night, sweet prince. <laughs> I'll be late. You better hurry, sweet prince, before NBC throws Uncle You Know Who out on his fat You Know What. Here's your coat, Edwin. Thanks, Lily. Wait, I, I made a list of what you can have for lunch on your diet. It's in the pocket. My diet? Either go to a gym and exercise or stay on that diet, Edwin. I want your promise. All right, Lily. Goodbye. 
Where's the list? Uh, oh, here it is. Lunch. One watercress sandwich on whole bran bread. No butter. Dessert? None. Hi, Lily, compared to Shylock, you're a piker. You, you demand ten pounds of flesh. <laughs> with hunger, thanks to his diet, he is just finishing his Uncle Goodhart radio broadcast. Listen. And now, dear listeners, remember, keep your head high into the sun and light. So ends another episode of Uncle Goodhart. And until he meets you again tomorrow in his little cottage on the sunny side of the lane, here is Uncle Goodhart with his thought for the day. When your neighbor's kids burn down his house while playing with their chemical toys, as he's trapped in the flames on the second floor, shout up to him, boys will be boys. <laughs> Dad, off the air at last. I didn't think I'd make it. Anyone mentioned food to me? Oh, hello, Mr. Montague. It's a good show. Had a lot of meat in it. Oh, no. <laughs> the great director, Mr. Zinzer. Oh, thank you. Had lunch yet? Uh, please, Zinzer, let me check again what I have for lunch. Watercress, lettuce, and celery leaves. I thought maybe we could have lunch together. I found a dandy little restaurant. A restaurant? Oh. Uh, I've got to find a pasture. <laughs> I guess you're not hungry. Hungry? I'm on a diet. A diet? Why should you go on a diet? Look at me. Oh. You see? My wife is always going on diet. Your wife's a little broad? My wife's a big broad. <laughs> Zenza, please, why don't you go to lunch and let me starve in peace? I sure wish you'd come along with me. I always order the special businessman's lunch. <laughs> so I put one over on them. Really? Yeah. They don't know I'm not a businessman. Zenza, stop talking about food. Today it's meatballs and spaghetti. Please. Gosh, Mr. Montague, a man who loves food as you do shouldn't diet. You ought to go to a gym and exercise. A gym? I, I don't know a really gym. Oh, wait a minute. Where's the pole? Uh, right here. Don't go, Zinder. I'm having spaghetti and meatballs with you. I hope Jarvis remembers. Hello? Meatball? Uh, I mean, Jarvis? <laughs> Listen, Jarvis, you remember that little gym we used to go to years ago? The one all of us professional actors used to go to. They called it the Actors Athletic Club. Well, that's it. 53rd and 8th Avenue. The second floor. This is Jarvis. I'll meet you in front of the place at 4 o'clock. We can rehearse our battle scene there, and I can exercise at the same time. That's right. I'm working it off at the gym. I couldn't take the diet. So see you there, Jarvis. Goodbye. Well, Mr. Monaghan... Mr. Zinzer, lead me to the meatballs. <laughs> Hold it, Jarvis. Let me catch my breath. Montague, you are out of condition. It's only one flight up. There's nothing going up this far, really. It's the meatballs going down. <laughs> Let's go. Here's the floor. Cab, the place hasn't changed a bit. Remember how old actors used to come here and rehearse while we sat in the steam room? <laughs> Long ago, Jarvis. Well, here we are again. We'd better go easy at first. Here's the door to the office. I'll knock. Come in. Yeah? We'd like to work out in the gym. You guys professionals? <laughs> <laughs> professionals, my dear man. I've been a professional for 40 years. You must be new here. Okay, okay. We don't like the amateurs and kids coming around bothering you gents. You working tight? Yes. Okay, you'll find a couple of pairs hanging in the locker room. Right through that door. Right. 
Come on, daughter. My truly, truly fat. Truly, truly fat. How I love my truly fat. <laughs> yeah. What? The Actors Athletic Club. That ain't been here in ten years. I run a joint now. It's a Curly Novak professional wrestling promotion. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. The gym's only for professional wrestlers. Try to ride. Hey, gent, you'll find clean towels in the corner, under the dirty one. Thank you. My truly, truly fair, truly, truly fair. Yeah. Oh, is that you, Feathers? No, 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 it's quiet. Just a couple of old pros in for a workout. What wrestling matches you got booked at the arena tonight? Wait, 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 wait a minute. I'll write it down. The Hungarian hog against Slimy Sylvester? <laughs> Check. Lovely Leslie against Heavenly Harold? <laughs> Check. The Basque Woodchopper against Lumber Louie? <laughs> Sounds like a natural. Well, what's your trouble? Oh, you had the hairy ape set to wrestle a thing. <laughs> uh, the ape can't make it? What? Oh, the mumps. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Feathers. My whole stable's booked tonight. If I run into any wrestlers, I'll let you know. Good luck. My truly, truly fair. <laughs> all fixed up, huh? Yes, where's the gym? Right through this door. Follow me. This way, Jarvis. Here we are. Thanks. Say, uh, I didn't get your name. Montague, Edward Montague. Montague? What name do you work under? You've never heard of the Magnificent Montague? Oh, sure, the Magnificent Montague. I remember the beard. <laughs> you ever work in Cincinnati? No, many times. I was there with uh, King Lear. King Lear, good boy. <laughs> I haven't seen the king around lately. No. No, the public doesn't seem to want the better things anymore. Yeah, you've got to give them new kind of stuff, new blood. Yeah. Yes, the public is truly tickled. You boys got some work lined up? Yes, we're going to put this on a small club. Sure, you're working up for those small clubs. Who needs big places? But don't, don't let me hold you up. All right, Jarvis. We'll take it right to the beginning of the fight. With all the action. Go ahead. I done, hellhound, done. Jeepers. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. He's starting the fight. Oh, I just wasn't expecting it. Come on. Uh, start again, Darvis. I turn, hellhound, turn! Aye, accursed be that tongue that tells me so, for it is cowed by better part of man. I'll not fight with thee. Then yield thee, coward, and live to be the showing gauge of the time. I'll not yield to kiss the ground of our young Malcolm's feet. Remember, Darvis, here's where you come rushing up, then. Yes, I remember. You step aside, trip me, and as I go down, you continue. That's right. I will not be baited by the rabble's curse. Before my body, I throw my warlike shield. Lay on, Macduff! Here's where we fight the finish. Like it? Jeepers. <laughs> Holy cow, fellas, what an act. Thank you. <laughs> yelling at each other. Hey, what's that you're saying? That's uh, Shakespeare. You yelling Shakespeare? <laughs> well, we're fighting. What a new idea. What class. This is what the public's been waiting for. Well, it's no use, my friend. It's no use. The public doesn't want it. Are you kidding? Talking Shakespeare and fighting at the same time can't miss. Why, most of the bums you see in the profession today just grunt and groan. <laughs> Truer words were never spoken. Oh, boy, what a match. And here Feathers is worrying about the hairy ape. The hairy ape? Jarvis, you know the hairy ape. Eugene O'Neill. Eugene O'Neill? I never knew his real name. <laughs> You got a gold mine here. A gold mine? Yeah, I can have you boys working tonight. Montague, Montague, work. You mean doing this? Yeah, I can book you right into the arena. The arena? Montague, an arena. You know, the Greek theater. Yeah, that's the place. <laughs> Only the Greeks don't own it no more. <laughs> Italian fellow by the name of Schmidt runs it now. <laughs> Well, Jarvis, I still have the costumes. Oh, you got your own costumes? Great. Uh, we wear two suits of armor. Armor? Boy, will this make a bum out of gorgeous George. <laughs> what else do you use? Uh, swords. Wait a minute. That's our boys. 
Frauds are not allowed in this state. The athletic commission is very touchy. They've got some silly rules. Athletic Yeah, they watch you wrestlers like hawks. Wrestlers? I'll call Feathers and book the match. Wait a minute. We're not wrestling tonight. Yes, you are. You give me your word. Jarvis, let's get out of here. Uh, you can't back out now. Jarvis, come along. Oh, thank you. It's worse. Jarvis. Uh, I haven't appeared before the public in ten years. Jarvis, get your clothes on. I stop you took a book. I'll let go. Jarvis, get your clothes on. I'll let you in there. When you're so late. Hello, Lily. Where have you been? I was at the gym. Never again. I'm going back to the diet. Oh, good. Say, Lily. Yes, Edwin. Do we know anyone in this building with a television set? Yes, the people next door. Good. There's something I'd like to see tonight. What is it? Jarvis is wrestling the thing. <laughs> DeMarco's, Al Goodman, his orchestra, and Kenny Delmar. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we salute the poultry show. We haven't any chickens, but we do have a man with an old joke, and he's going to pull it. And here he is, Fred Allen. Thank you and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In Portland, that poultry show introduction, a man with an old joke and he's going to pull it. You know, I thought that was extremely clever in a rather a rancid sort of a way. <laughs> Mama and I were up all night writing poultry introductions. Poultry introductions, really? We had another one. Here is a man. After he tells his first joke, he's a dead duck. You were up all night writing these two feathered faux pas? <laughs> Yes. You know what faux pas means? It's southern for forefathers. Southern for forefathers? Faux pas. Faux pas. <laughs> Some dialect you have and no finish. But uh, forget the whole thing. <laughs> forget the whole thing. That poultry gag sounds like a joke you'd find on the floor of the studio after a Milton Burrow rehearsal. <laughs> and if he wouldn't pick it up to tell it, Milton will stoop to anything that I wouldn't tell me. Did you see the poultry show at Madison Square Garden? It was wonderful. They had hens there so small, they can't lay eggs. Really? What do they lay? Aspirin tablets with yolks in them. <laughs> You've had a new writer working on your part, haven't you? I sense it. <laughs> Fine. Well, you know, it's confusing over there at Madison Square Garden. One night they have fights, the next night hockey, then basketball and the poultry show. There was a mix-up last week. One night, right in the middle of the poultry show, the CCNY basketball team ran out and made three baskets in a hen's nest. <laughs> without disturbing the hen, too. It's rather remarkable. They were in there on the wrong night, you see. Well, before this gets too hilarious, Portland... <laughs> what, uh, what, what, I must give my writers the loyalty test again. I, what, uh, what's in the, what's in the news? What's in the news this week? Well, science is seeking the clue to baldness. Baldness? Well, that would be Jack Benny's problem, not mine. Is Jack getting bald? Getting bald? Benny's head looks as though his neck is blowing bubble gum. Gosh! What? What did you say? Gosh! Are you, uh, are you happy with that line? Uh, You know, Benny, Benny is so bald, he looks as though somebody pulled his face back over the top of his head. 
And speaking of head reminds me, Portland, I think I shall head for Alan's Alley. What is your question tonight? Well, recently down in Washington, the director of science service listed the ten most important advances in science made during 1947. And so our question this evening is, what in your estimation is the most important advance science has made during recent years? Shall we go? Well, I couldn't think of a joke this week. We'll just have to go, I guess. (laughs) Well, here we are back in Allen's Alley, Portland. Say, I guess the Senate is in all right. His pet possum, Stanley, just looked out the parlor window there. Well, let's knock. Who, I say, who's whamming my portal? Oh, it's you, son. Yes, Senator Carter. I just got back from Florida, son. Yeah. I must have stayed out in that sun too long. You got sunburn? Son, I got a blister running down my back. It's longer than a pontoon. It's really? Yeah, long... I kept feeling, son. I had enough skin to make a little boy. You... <laughs> How are... <laughs> How are things in Florida, Senator? Now, my hotel was so crowded they had to give me a Florida sweep. What is a Florida sweep? That's a closet with two grapefruit in it. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I was out fishing every day. One fish I caught, tears come to my eyes. Tears? That fish reminded me how I got elected. A fish? It was a fluke, son. <laughs> a fish not too well known in these parts. <laughs> well, what were you? Uh, what were you doing in Florida? What were you doing in Florida, Senator? I was down there resting with little old Harry. Did the president enjoy his stay down there in Florida? Yeah, Harry was busy every minute, relaxing. Relaxing. (laughs) One day, Harry went over to Key West and played the piano. At Key West? It was the first time anybody knowed what key he was playing in. (laughs) Tell me, Senator... What do you think is the most important advance science has made during recent years? Well, science's outstanding achievement was making that big magnet up there at Columbia University. Well, why is the magnet so important, Senator? Owning a magnet that size, son. Yes? This country can point it at Russia. And with the biggest magnet in the world? We can raise that iron curtain. So long, son. So long, so long The senator better be careful with that magnet. He might pull Spike Jones off the air. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. Let's uh, let's call on Mr. Moody. Howdy, Bob. <laughs> Tell me, Mr. Moody, what uh, what do you think is the most important advance science has made in recent years? Uh, science better stop advancing, for it ruins the human race. Well, how do you mean? Why, people was better off when they had less gadgets and done more sweating. Well, have you had any experience with scientific advancement on your farm? I'm about ready to blow my fritter. You're uh, <laughs> about to blow your fritter, eh? Well, what the... What, <laughs> what happened? Why, a fellow come around and sold me a self-operating shortwave plow. Uh-huh. First time I tried the plow, first time something went wrong. Yeah? All I heard was zip. Plow started off. I ain't seen it since. You don't know what became of the plow? No. All I know is that from here clear to Syracuse, there's a rut that belongs to me. <laughs> well, you can't. You can't hold that against science. Did I ever tell you about that rain-making episode? No, I don't think so. What was that? Last fall, we had a drought. Uh-huh. Ground was so dry that worms was crying on themselves to get wet enough to turn over. <laughs> Things were dry, hey? Uh, I'm in the front yard, spitting in all directions to lay the dust. Yeah? Fuller comes up and he says he's a rainmaker. Oh, you, you hired the rainmaker? Yeah. He went up in a balloon, dropped 200 pounds of dry ice into a cloud. Yeah? Well, the dry ice fell plumb through the cloud... Landed on top of my barn and left a hole as big as a crater. And no rain fell? Yeah. Just as the fellow came down in the balloon, it started to hail a mite. Hail, hey? I was fuming. What did you do? I pointed to that skimpy downfall. Yes? And I says, get the hail out of here. So long. (laughs) Well, let's, let's try this next door. Chuppy? Oh, Mrs. Nussbaum. Say, you look busy. Tonight I couldn't talk to you too long. No? I'm working on my Toffinetti contest. 
Toffinetti contest? What is that? If you are entering the contest, they are sending you the clues. Oh, really? What what are the clues? Second for corned beef, first for plans, thirteenth for chicken fat, seven for pan. Yes. Bring me a poached egg, chopped onions, and heat. Fry me and try me. I'm ready to eat. Those are the clues, eh? You are in the contest? If you are guessing the clues, it is me. Second for corned beef, bring me a poached egg. I give up. Who are you? Miss Hash. Miss Hash. Yeah, I will send you the locomotive in the morning. But tell me, Mrs. Mustard, what, what important strides do you think science has made? To me, outstanding is electricity. Uh, electricity? Today in my house, everything I'm doing by electricity. Uh-huh. Making coffee, I'm plugging in the percolator. Naturally. Cooking dinner, I'm... Snapping on the stove. Yes. Washing, I'm turning on the bender. Uh-huh. Sweeping, I'm attaching the vacuum cleaner. Yes. All day long, I'm plugging in, snapping, turning on electricity. Well, handling all this electricity, don't you ever get a shock? Only once a month. Once a month you get a shock? When I'm getting the electric bill, thank uh-huh. you. <laughs> Here we are at the end of the alley. Let's pay our respects to Mr. Cassidy. Well, Mr. Cassidy, what about science? Hey, boy, science should drop dead. Why? Well, last week, because of that scientific invention, television, I had, shall we say, a cataclysmic encounter. On account of television, what happened? Well, the night of the Joe Lewis fight, I was standing in Kerrigan's, conserving grain, as the president ordered. (laughs) Conserving grain? I stopped eating Wheaties. I was taking me grain in liquid form. So the fight started on the television. Yeah. Well, halfway through the first round, yeah. the man next to me, Hambone Hennessy, he says, look, the television's broken. Yeah. How is it broken, says I. Joe Lewis is on the floor, says he. Yeah. Joe Lewis is champion of the world, says he. Sure, if the television set was working properly, his opponent would be on the floor. Why, oh, The television set is in good order, says I. Says Joe Lewis is not working properly. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, with that, Hambone Hennessy hit me on top of the head. Yeah. It drove me head so far down me spine, I had to open me vest to look out at him. <laughs> and I started running me arm in and out of Hambone's mouth till he thought he was swallowing a plunger. Hey, this was some fracas. Oh, the fighting got you good. Joe Lewis and Jersey Joe stopped their fight on the television and started watching Hambone and me. <laughs> It must have been exciting. Well, now, just as I was taking off Hambone's nose to put in my pocket to keep his ears company, (laughs) the door's busted open. It's the constabulary. The constabulary. Well, Hambone and me was hustled into a limousine with a gong on the front of it. Well, (laughs) hey, Jack, you can't blame television. Yeah. For doing what Joe Lewis got $70,000 for doing on the television. You? I got 30 days. Goodbye, you. Ably accompanied by the versatile Al Goodman and his orchestra, the DeMarco sing, Papa, Won't You Dance With Me, Girl.
Digest version of Anne Mimi, played by Maestro Al Goodman, and 25 men who think Costellanus is the fullback for Notre Dame. And now... Now, ladies, uh, yes, Portland. This telegram just came. It's open. The telegram's open? The messenger boy said he had chapped lips. You want to go down to the censor and clear your throat while we... <laughs> <laughs> the there. messenger boy said he had chapped lips and he couldn't lick the envelope. Oh, that Western Union. You'd think if one messenger boy had chapped lips, they'd send another boy along who could drool. <laughs> what, uh, what does the telegram say? Business while it's open. This will confirm. <laughs> this will. This would have been a good place for you to cough in here. <laughs> this said uh, the telegram says this will confirm your New Year's Eve reservations at the Carnival. Signed the management. The Carnival. Oh, the Carnival, that big nightclub on Eighth Avenue. You know I am president of the Jack Eigen Fan Club. We're having our New Year's party there. I thought your Jack Eigen Fan Club. Always set New Year's Eve at Hamburger Heaven. No, no. Last year, when Frank Gould was president, we went over to a little club on 52nd Street, the Open Manhole. The Open... <laughs> the Open Manhole? They have no cover there. <laughs> it's uh, just a small place. The ceiling is so low, when they serve frog's legs, the legs are kneeling down. <laughs> to get reservations at the carnival. Well, it's a long story, Portland. Last Thursday afternoon, I was walking down 8th Avenue. I was just passing 51st Street when I heard a voice say, Well, Fred Allen, Georgie Gesso. Georgie, what are you doing here in New York City? What's the matter in What am I? You must be living in a tree. You know what I'm doing here. Look at that sign up there on the marquee. The marquee, the carnival, proudly presents Georgie Jessel in the greatest show on earth. Well, confidentially, Fred, it isn't the greatest show on earth. But that sign. Well, my cousin Milford is a sign painter, you know. <laughs> I told him the show was uh, so-so. Suddenly a sign comes out, the greatest show on earth. What am I going to do? Get a lawyer? Milford is also a lawyer. I'd have to give him the case. You see what I mean? <laughs> well, tell me... <laughs> tell me, Georgie, confidentially, how are you doing in the show? Oh, Fred, I'm a big hit. A very big hit. A big hit. Yeah. Huh? You're getting ready to call me a liar, huh? I should see it. <laughs> well, it so happens that I have the newspaper clippings right here with me, right in my pocket. Hey, they're, uh, they're a little dirty looking, aren't they? Yeah, well, I've been carrying them around two weeks, you yeah, know. I'll have them dry cleaned a little later. But listen, <laughs> listen to what the newspapers say. Here's the whole book and Herald. Jessel is a cyclone of lead. Huh? Here's the Jewelers Gazette. Jessel is a diamond in the rough. Yeah. Look at here. This, the Sandhog Journal, what it says. Look at here. Jessel is dynamite. Here's the New York Times. There, who reads the Times? <laughs> Georgie, Georgie, I just saw your latest picture, Nightmare Alley. I thought you were still out in Hollywood producing for 20th Century Fox. I am. I am still working for Mr. Zanuck, Fred, and I have to be back there on January the 5th. Well, can't Mr. Zanuck do without you? There is a rumor that he can, but uh, I don't want him to find out. <laughs> well, Georgie, I just happen to think my club is uh, giving a party New Year's Eve. Well, 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 Fred, give your party at the carnival. A great show. You'll have the time of your life on only $2 a plate. $2 a plate? Well, if you want food on the plate, it's a little more. You know. <laughs> well? Take my advice, though, Fred. You have the $20 avocado dinner. Ah, uh, with that comes the best of everything. Gold finger bowls and mahogany toothpicks. It's delicious, really. Well, what, uh, what do I get for $20? Well, now, first before dinner, you get your own personal horn to blow at midnight. I have a sample horn here to show you. Oh, that's a beauty, isn't it? I should say it is. <laughs> the mouthpiece is genuine plastic, you know. Uh-huh. It comes only with the $20 dinner. Now, get the tone on this horn. <clears throat> well, it does. It, it does have a certain gusto, Georgie. But for $20... Look, if Fred, please, 20... please, please, unless you're insured, don't take the $2 dinner at the carnival. You mean there's no horn? Nah. Oh, for $2, you get this. <clears throat> <clears throat> No, Georgie, that sounds like an unborn opinion. <laughs> and we should know. Well, anyway, look, with the $20 dinner, 
With a twenty dollar, you should see the paper hat that you get. It's yeah. a red cellophane Hamburg with a lining and the initials F A in it. Your initials. Well, with the two dollar dinner, what sort of a paper hat do you get? Nah, an old copy of the Hobo News. Nothing at all. <laughs> Hold it up, it looks like a wet beret. You wouldn't want. It. Well, look, Georgie, Fred, the confetti that you get with the twenty dollar dinner. What? Uh, what kind of confetti? Chopped up five dollar bills. <laughs> With the $2 dinner, you get confetti? What confetti? The waiter comes, pulls the paper napkin from under your chin, tears it up, throws it right in your face. Well, Georgie, $20 after all for ah, dinner. Ah, but listen to the food that you get. Avocado and aspic. Anchovies and aspic. Guinea hen and aspic. Aspic and aspic. <laughs> and for dessert, ladyfinger. But, Georgie, who could eat that mess? I'll get indigestion. Not at the carnival, Fred. Well, why not? Those ladyfingers that you get for dessert... Yes? They are holding an Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> But I, I'm a light eater, Georgie. What now? What is the two dollar dinner? Two dollar dinner, you get a sprig of parsley on a plain glass plate. A glass plate? Yeah, you not only starve, but the waiter looks through the glass plate, sees you leaving a nickel tip, gets mad, takes away the knife and fork, hits you on the head. Nothing. <laughs> what? The, what about the drink? Oh, the drink! Oh, with a twenty dollar dinner, you get the finest French champagne. It has the Hildegard seal of approval. <laughs> and on the two-dollar dinner? The waiter takes off your shoes, puts grapes under your feet, you step on the grapes. It tastes like an oleum. You wouldn't like it at all. <laughs> well, Georgie, in self-defense, I think I'll take the twenty-dollar dinner. Fred, you are doing the right thing, believe me. I'm all set for New Year's Eve. Ah, uh, Fred, this will be a night that you will long remember. And don't forget, take the moss balls out of that tuxedo. Tuxedo? <laughs> George, you mean it's formal? Fred, you're going to the carnival, not Sam's Bowery Follies, you know. But I have no tuxedo. Fred, I should have your luck. Well, what luck? I can get you a tuxedo in five minutes. Really? My cousin Milford got an interest in the place. It's right around the corner. Come with me, Fred. All right, Georgie, let's go. Well, here we are, Fred. Sam's suit salon. Georgie, this is a pineapple juice stand. Yeah, but in the back is a tailor shop, you see? Open all night... Overcoats made while you wait. Oh. Sam? Sam? Sam, well, let's go up. in. Let's go in first. Oh, you gotta go in. Yeah. Right <laughs> no curb service. You gotta go inside. All right. Hey, Sam. That's Sam over there, you see, with the pineapple in one hand and the hot iron in the other. Oh, I see. Sam! I got bad news for you. I've stopped cashing checks. <laughs> <laughs> this is a friend of mine, Sam, Fred Allen, and he wants a tuxedo. A tuxedo? You came to the right place. Oh, Max! Yes, Sam! It's a customer! Orange or pineapple? <laughs> <laughs> the pineapple's good today. No, just a tuxedo, thanks. Now, look, this is for New Year's Eve, Sam. I want you to give Mr. Allen something extra special. Well, you, Mr. Jessel, will give him the works. Built-in gravy stains on the vest. <laughs> Here's a ruler. Help me measure it. I certainly will. Okay. Sleeve 33. Sleeve 42. <laughs> Waist 36. Waist 57. <laughs> Length 32. Length 71. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Georgie. What is this? Every time you yell out a number, Sam puts down a different one. Don't worry, Fred. Sam can't write. Nothing to worry. <laughs> well, never mind the measuring. How about something ready-made? Okay, Sam, Mr. Allen wants something ready-made. Ready Here, made. Mr. Allen's our last tuxedo in stock. Oh, but you are in luck. Well, well, feel that material. Georgie, this is corduroy. Corduroy? <laughs> of course. The doorman at the El Morocco has one just like that. A corduroy tuxedo? It is ideal for New Year's Eve. Ideal? Yes. When the band stops playing, you can keep on dancing to the sound your corduroy pants are making, you see? <laughs> Here, Mr. Allen, tie your time. All right, thanks. Oh, boy, that suit was just made for you. Look how it hangs. Hangs. It piles up on the floor. <laughs> look at this. Look at this right... <laughs> Look at this right sleeve. That's too long. It's not only too long, it's got a cuff on it. Well, that's a pants leg. <laughs> the sleeve is a pants leg? Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, Sam. What's with the sleeve? What is it? Hey, it's Max. Lately, his eyes are bad. Yesterday, he sold himself to a customer. Oh. <laughs> I can't go to the carnival with one arm coming out of a pants leg. Put a shoe on your hand. Who'll notice it? <laughs> Look, Georgie... 
When I buy a suit, I would like to have two sleeves with it. You got two sleeves. Where is the other one? Look at your left leg. Jeepers, from the knee down, I'm bare-legged. Look, Fred, a black puttee will cover it. Patent leather. It'll look very smart. A very black puttee? Georgie, I'm going to the carnival, not joining one. Now, look. Fred, for the money, you can't beat it. Yeah, that's right. Try any reliable pushcart and mention my name. He's right. Now, think it over. Think it over. Where else can you get a tuxedo with a milk, mink belt in the back? A mink belt? Say, mink what is, belt. What is that big lump hanging down inside the back of the pants? Oh, this I didn't... T- oh, this is a pineapple. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Sam gives away a pineapple and a Hawaiian guitar with every tuxedo. And look. Look at those lapels. Three lapels? One folds inside. It looks like a vest. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can't match it anywhere. That's five years ahead of the new look. Ah, huh? now you're all set. <laughs> you are all set, Fred. There's only one place for you on New Year's Eve. I've got my reservation. What reservations? With that suit, you're not sitting in the audience. <laughs> you're going to be in the show with me. In the show? Yeah. Get the picture, Fred. The lights go dim. Suddenly, there is soft music. You step up on the stage beside me in that tuxedo. Yes. The violin section comes behind us, and we sing. We sing together? The first chorus. The second chorus, I'll recite, and you will hum softly. I hum. I wonder how it will sound. Like this. When you're a long, long way from home, it makes you feel like you're alone. It's hard to find a pal that's true, that you can tell your troubles to. And when you send a letter home, your mother's voice rings in your ear. And then you cross the T's with kisses. What a strange world this is. Then you dot the I's with tears. You miss the love you've always known when you're alone. There's a caraway seed in my tooth. Oh, yeah. It'll have Sophie Tucker in it. <laughs> in the eyes of the world, you may seem very small. In the eyes of your mother, you're as thick as them all. You go out in the world with one thought in your mind. Where can I find a pal? And you've left one behind. Look, Fred, will you stop humming? Play an instrument. I'm singing a cappella, Georgie. This is a cappella? <laughs> Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for 